And something that I noticed last year with Jay Crowder is when he starts the game on a made shot or something positive, he plays better during that game. Leonard somehow got the ball to roll in in traffic. He does have a quiet demeanor, that's no question. Like, but um, for what I was expecting, it's 10 times more uh, communication than I would have thought just from, you know, what you see and what you hear. But he's, he's been great, you know. Baca and Lowry in the crowd. Danny Green so tough from three-point land. Ball comes loose, picked up. That's what Kawhi does so well. He's there to pick it up and put it back in. He's got gigantic hands. He's sharing his knowledge. He obviously plays hard. He's a great defender. He does things the right way. So um, him having more of a voice will only help us because he already, with his play, says enough. So he can get some him talking and him helping lead the young guys and him stepping forward to help us in situations is always going to be great. What's up, everybody? This is Free Association on Sportsnet.ca. I'm J.D. Bunkus, joined as always by Donovan Bennett, wearing the New Zealand all-black shirt in all-white. That's pretty cool. It's kind of a oxymoron, but for clothing. Is it ironic? Is it an ironic piece of clothing that you've got on today? It's both not funny and not effective. I thought that was pretty good. Because this is not a visual medium. Yeah, but and I it's described not, it. It's a brand called Publish. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the New Zealand all-black. But isn't that their logo? The little a feather leaf. thing. Yeah, that's the All Blacks thing, no? So it's not anything to do with the All Blacks? Zero percent. Okay, fine. It's a then. brand out of California. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, you're way uh, more fashionable guy than I am. Uh, you stay closer to trends. You also, our producer Emil just said in my ear, every time we start this show, you're just like, just go. Just start talking. Just do the show. I'm not really paying attention. I'll check in when we actually start rolling the podcast. You seem very distracted today. Do you have another gala to go to? Like, what's going on? I don't have a gala to go to, although I, we have our 20th anniversary Sportsnet yeah, town open house, house celebration yeah. or something, and I'm celebrating uh, the birthday of my younger brother. So, no oh, gala. nice. Yeah. Are you going but, out tonight? Uh, yeah, we're going to go get some steaks. But it's your brother's name, Anton? It is. But these are things nobody cares about. Yes, they, actually, ha-ha! Not nobody. The last comment on the iTunes page, which is, again, where y'all should live, and everyone should have already left a five-star review because it helps us so much. Why are you saying y'all? You, you should be subscribing. south of the United States? I've, I'll throw a y'all in every once in a while. It works better. It's better than you all. You wouldn't agree? Y'all is good. It's, it just has to be the right concept. Would you text y'all? Yeah, I text it all the time. In fact, my phone autocorrects to that. It even throws in the apostrophe. Like, it's there. My phone is good like that. It knows me. It's pretty good. You're a hick. Continue. No, I'm not a hick. I just, uh, I like that word. It's fun to say. I don't think you have to be a hick to say that. You're chewing on but straws. But back to the point, which is subscribe, review, do all those nice things. I love reading the reviews. I really do. And I know you're above it. You don't do it. Donovan will never see what you write, but I will see it all. I will see it all, and I will bring it to the table. And in fact, if you keep doing the leaving reviews, five-star reviews, subscribe, and leave a comment or a question, I am going to try to do a better job of mixing in everybody's questions, maybe even if it isn't just a, for a mailbag episode, because we did get a lot of good stuff, and we got a few afterwards as well. But the latest comment, I think, is exactly says, I'm interested in your guys' lives. So not everyone doesn't care. Yeah, from your burner account. No, this no. is this is what <laughs> I don't. I, this is how what many people, iTunes accounts could I possibly? This have? is what people who don't have time to comment yeah. are thinking right now. You're three minutes into a basketball podcast. Yeah. You've yet to talk about basketball. Yeah. Um. So we had Canadian Thanksgiving, and I kind of missed basketball because whenever I'm around my family, it reminds me a little bit about Christmas. 
because our Thanksgiving is big. It's the only holiday we treat close to Christmas. And I always do get that vibe like basketball should be on. And I'm very excited because the season is a week away. Doesn't that feel fast? The offseason felt shorter than even normal years this time around. It does, but it doesn't because the offseason was super short. But I feel like the preseason has been super long. Preseason basketball is the worst. I can't believe these people that watch all the summer league and all the preseason games. I'll check in for a few moments. I'll watch some Raptors stuff. But yeah, the Raptors hosted Melbourne at home and they sit Kawhi Leonard and they sit Kyle Lowry. And I was like, there. You were there? You yeah. watched it? I was watching where, is that where you got the all black Kyle, shirt? No. Watching Kyle Lowry play with his kid on the bench. Yeah. It's like, what do you take away from a game like that? Uh, our producer, Emil Della, checks me and says like he liked what he saw from Norm Powell in that Norm game. Norm looked outstanding yeah, until but, he got hurt. God damn it. Norm better look good against Melbourne FC or whatever they well, are. Well, I mean, if you watched the game, you knew Melbourne had a furious fourth quarter contest. Oh, they had a furious Made fourth quarter a, a close contest. <laughs> you know what? Good for Melbourne because that should be their Super Bowl playing the Raptors at the ACC. So... It's Thanksgiving time. I got a point about that preseason stuff, though, where I was going to go with that is I think I care less about preseason than I ever have before because the offseason is elongated. Like we talk about basketball year round now. It's become this sport where even the Jimmy Butler trade, right, or the Butler trade rumors are happening recently. We've had an offseason where Kawhi Leonard moved and LeBron James moved and we're speculating about Anthony Davis and there's always basketball conversations to be had. They're everywhere. You can talk about basketball any time of the year. Like I do a daily radio show for three hours and it's very easy to put a basketball segment in there at any time. And so I don't get as excited for the very beginning of the season or at least the preseason games, because I'm like, yeah, you know what? Basketball's been in my conscious for the entire season like it wasn't four or five years ago. If I'm going to be honest, I've never been amped with preseason basketball. Oh, I always get excited for the first one. It's like every preseason game in any sport. I watch the first game. I'm like, oh, it's back. I get super excited. And then the second they play, there's the second one. I'm like, what's the point of this? Let's just roll the real stuff. I had the uh, Warriors-Suns game Mm -hmm. on, and I'm like, I really want to watch this. No, you don't. Am I going to learn anything from this? No, you won't. Yeah. The warriors, you're really going to take stuff away from it. You're like the team that treated the regular season without any care. You're like, Oh, the preseason though, this is when they're really going to try to smooth things out. This is where this team's really going to come together. So it's Canadian Thanksgiving. As I mentioned, before we get to more Raptor stuff, Uh, what type of Thanksgiving guy are you? Do you load up one plate or do you try to get back and forth and back and forth and, and take small portions every time? One plate. Yeah, me too. I'm a huge one plate guy. And I feel like all I ever do is I get this mismatch of Thanksgiving food. That's like, I don't even eat the things separately anymore because I put so much on one plate that I'm basically eating like potatoes and turkey and yams as all like one little concoction, one little ball. And I was thinking, can I pitch you a business idea? Sure. You know how they have those like booster juice balls, those energy balls where they can make like you can make any types of flavors. Why isn't there just like a Thanksgiving flavor of a food That'd be disgusting. where you buy something and it just tastes like like turkey mashed potatoes and yams all mixed together. And it's just one no, little ball of it. That's, and disgu- it's, like, that's disgusting. Thanksgiving comes around and it's a seasonal ball. You sell that ball to someone. No. When you want comfort food, you want comfort the real food. stuff you don't, you don't want a little energy bite yeah, of comfort food but what i don't want a comfort food timbit yeah i do i no, want the comfort food no timbit. you want to see the turkey and, and the gravy and it's, you see it steaming hot you want the tough decision of in football we call this distribution like you're basically having the yeah. routes an appropriate distance away from each other so that you guys aren't running into each other you want to decide your plate distribution okay I've got my turkey here. I just load up. How much gravy am I putting on it? Now, do I want to go cranberry sauce Always. on the turkey? Yes. But then 
I don't want the cranberry sauce too close to the gravy. I'll let it touch Maybe I'm going to go harder with the ham, no, which, I don't eat which that. is not really that good. But you want the cranberry sauce because what other time are you going to have cranberry sauce? These are the questions you want. I don't want you to, to mash produce I that ma- I mash and it put all. it in a little bite size produce it. nugget. Someone work on that for me. Ooh, a nugget is a good for a delivery Disgusting. system for this. Disgusting. What about a turkey nugget? That has a mashed potato coating. That's disgusting. I would eat that. I would totally decimate that. Uh, Thanksgiving has passed. I'm sad. I have a great family tradition. We all get together, play football game, watch some sports, have some beers, uh, do a little circle, talk about what we're thankful for. And I was thinking, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, what? Uh, leave it to Beaver? Got a great family. Got a big family. Got and a great family. <laughs> do got a great family. It's a, it's a really good family. And Thanksgiving <laughs> is one of our was one of our big. Traditions, like I said, it's basically Christmas one and then Thanksgiving two. And we're not a very religious family. It's just Christmas is when everybody's home, and same Thanksgiving people make an effort to be there, and uh, it's really interactive for us. But we do this thing where we get in a circle, and everybody says what they're thankful for, and it's kind of tedious. It's like one of those things where you do it for your mom. She wants you to stand in the circle. She's cooked this huge meal for everyone. She's hosted everyone. She wants everyone to stand in the circle and say you're thankful. So of course you do it, right? Like of course you do that for your mom. But it is kind of sweet, and you do hear a little thing from everybody. And in the spirit of that, I started thinking about what I'm thankful for as we're approaching this Raptor season. What? Yes. And I'm thankful. Circle, you started to think about the Raptors? No, I thought about it after, as I was coming home on the train and I was preparing for this podcast. And I was thinking to myself, okay, we're going to be a day late. Sorry to the associates that we're a day late. We want to drop Tuesday mornings. It's my fault because I ended up traveling and couldn't be in the studio. But I was thinking, yeah, what am I thankful for with this Raptors team? What do I feel like is different from our fan base than anything else? And I started thinking about how last year it was this real sense of, The Raptors were a real team with real people that interacted in a way that few others do. It's hard to say. It's like a sense of community almost as a basketball team. And they really lost that with DeMar DeRozan. They lost this leadership figure. And we've had discussions before about how the fun Raptors are dead. Long live the mercenary Raptors because they have taken over. And this season is without any charm. And this season is all about business. And there will be no friendship. And will there even be a leader because... There is no leadership to this team anymore. Kyle Lowry is mad. He's not texting with Masai Ujiri. Everyone is fighting for a job NFL training camp style. They've got a new head coach. This is what you're thankful for? I'm thankful for reading the report about Kawhi Leonard. And I want to ask you what you make of all this. Because I think that we have kind of dismissed this idea that the Raptors are no longer this close team because of the DeMar DeRozan trade and bringing in someone like Kawhi Leonard and kind of underestimating the group here and, and what this Raptors team can be as a collective and that every collective does tend to need a leader. And without Kyle Lowry, it felt like there was a little bit of a leadership void without him kind of taking ownership of this team out of the gates. And you're looking at guys and saying, well, is Fred Van Vliet, the leader of this team, who's going to grab this group by the horns and be their leader. And so this came out the other day and this was tweeted out by my good buddy, Josh Lewenberg, who said Danny green on Kawhi Leonard. He's definitely more vocal than he's ever been on and off the court. It looks like he feels comfortable. It looks like he feels at home. He's talking to guys. He's leading by example. In the huddles, he's chiming in, saying what he feels, saying his opinion. Before, he didn't really show or tell his opinion much. He's leading vocally more than ever before. And I wonder what you make of that quote. Not that much, to be honest. So do you think this is Danny Green PR? Because we mentioned it on the day that it was media day, that Danny Green was kind of functioning as 
a PR mechanism for Kawhi Leonard, defending him a little bit, speaking for him a little bit. He has a podcast that's out now that the biggest quotes it's gotten from that podcast have all been about Kawhi Leonard, that maybe he's playing to his audience a little bit. He's being smart. I think it's a bit of Danny Green, the communications agency, Mm -hmm. giving you some PR. But I think part of it is if you really were to dial it down and look at where Kawhi Leonard came from and where he is, would be natural. I mean, he came from a culture where it was speak when spoken to. Mm-hmm. When the guy who had the big stick was always Popovich, and he was the one doing all of the talking, and you nodded and said, yes, sir. So I'm not saying that in a derogatory framework. Popovich is a military guy where the leadership comes from the top down, and your leadership as a player is by example, not by voicing your thoughts. Where the Raptors, based on who they're run by, being the head coach and Nick Nurse, who's been basically aligned in an NBA role for less time than Kawhi Leonard has, it's a bit more of a think tank. It's a bit more of groupthink. It's a bit more of I'm open to new ideas, new thoughts, new voices. And so, yeah, I'm, you've won a championship. I haven't. I'm happy to hear what you have to say in this timeout, this late game situation. I'm I'm all about getting more information. And if you want to voice it, please. So I, I think that would have naturally happened given the drastic difference in circumstances that he finds himself in. But I also think everything that Danny Green says about Kawhi Leonard, has got to be taken with the grain of salt because he in a way is like the matchmaker who's talking to both sides, saying the best thing about the other one. Yeah, no, Danny Green definitely has not a vendetta necessarily, but yeah, he's got an agenda. He's got an agenda. That's the word I was searching for, but too stupid to come up with right out of the hop. He wants to be viewed as a good teammate, someone with a media career, and he really wants this Raptors thing to work, obviously, because he's a good competitor and he's in search of a bounce-back season. And I think there is value in being associated with Kawhi Leonard and the way that you're treated and the way that, you know, there's there's some gamesmanship here. So I'll take what you say. I'll take that grain of salt. But I think that this lent me to two things. One is the thing that I was thankful for, which is that there is a real collective with this Raptors team that still exists that maybe we dismissed a little bit. And and I did think that same thing with that new head coach and with this deep of a team and with bringing in guys with that experience in Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, that you are going to still have a, a team full of leaders, that you are going to have a group that figures out solutions together, that they aren't relying on a head coach. They're not relying on Nick Nurse to give them the formula. Whereas once at the beginning of the off season, it was, well, what's Nick Nurse going to do to change this team? And then, well, how is this team going to accommodate Kawhi Leonard? I really do believe that those guys, if they are at the head of the snake of this really deep roster, that there is going to be more communication and more of a family-style basketball team here where everyone is going to be able to have their say and everyone is going to be heard and that the depth will work and that, once again, they will foster some of the same things that last year's iteration of the Raptors did. But the second part is, I think that this is kind of the pathway to what your best shot, your best shot at keeping Kawhi is getting him to embrace the idea of his team. Because I think that what you said is very true about the Spurs. It seems weird to think of it like this, but really Kawhi Leonard has had three really breakout seasons in the NBA. He's played five full seasons. He missed last year. So that one does not really count or six. What is it? One, two, three, four, five, six. It's six seasons, not including last year. But if you look at it really 14, 15 is where he broke out. 15, 16, he was when he became an all-star. He's only a two-time all-star. He's never had that opportunity where a basketball team was constantly looking to him 
to be their leader. And maybe this is something that he embraces because we've always kind of looked at him as a guy that is likes to be off to the side. We've made all these assumptions about Kawhi Leonard, and I feel like we're breaking down a lot of the mythos that surrounds him. Oh, Kawhi doesn't like to speak to the media. He's a very sheltered guy. He doesn't really have any personality. Don't even bother talking to him. Guess what? So far, media day and the subsequent interviews that he's done or scrums that he's done. He seems like a pretty normal guy to me. Like he seems more normal than he was made out to seem. Oh, Kawhi wants to be kind of more of a secondary figure. He just wants to focus on basketball. He doesn't want any other attention. Now you hear Danny green talking about him being a leader and yeah, in San Antonio with those teams early on, it was pop's team and Tim Duncan's team. And then even when Tim Duncan retired, it was still pop's team and it was Manu was still there. And it was Tony Parker that were still there. These were the main leaders around this franchise and their leadership style was to call out Kawhi. Right. And I was going to say maybe what stung Kawhi more than anything was that even though some of those things were taking out of, out of context, that he never felt like he was in that same class of leaders with the Manus, with the Tony Parkers, with the, Tim Duncan's or with the Popovich's that in San Antonio, he was never going to be the guy, no matter how they looked at it, that there was always going to be a secondary thing with Kawhi where, yeah, he's the heir apparent. He's the guy that inherited this thing as great as he may be. He's never going to be as popular in San Antonio or viewed as a leader in San Antonio like his predecessors were now in Toronto. What he has is an opportunity to be the guy, to be the leader, to be the guy that steps up in the locker room and says something to be the guy that tells one of the younger players or tries to get them to go in the right direction. And if this thing works out, if the Raptors are a successful basketball team, because winning is going to be extremely important for them. But if it does work out that way and the Kawhi does find himself taking ownership of this group and they allow him to take ownership of this group, that maybe that's what he becomes most attracted to with Toronto, that it's his team and that he's got his soldiers and that moving forward, it's going to be him as the head of the snake. Yeah. I mean, part of that, his age as well. And look at the players he played with. Marcus Aldridge, Paul Gasol, the Hall of Famers that you mentioned in Ginobili and Parker, and Duncan. Those guys are all old, older than him. They've been through more wars than him. So where is he going to lead them? I mean, the way he led them is, hey, man, we need a bucket. Can you go get one for us? Because you're better than us. Now, look at the guys he's playing with. Aside from Kyle and Serge, I mean, JV is one of the veterans on this team, and he's still young. Pascal, OG, Norm. All of these guys, I mean, obviously Danny's older and, and CJ Miles is older, but a lot of guys are going to be playing heavy minutes for this team. DeLon, Fred, they're very, very young. So there is more room to give some knowledge. I will say this, though, before you know we put a C on his jersey. Leadership is shown not in neutral times like the preseason, not in great times when this team is going to go on a run and win five, six, seven games in a row. It's shown in tough times. That's when leadership and character actually reveals and itself. And that's still a big question mark. Not so much for him, but for this team. If we want to use an MLSC example, I mean, we know who the leader is on TFC. It's Michael Bradley. When they're in a, a rut, where are the cameras going? Who's talking on the field? It's him. He's that voice for good, bad, and different. And this team, when things go south, Who's going to step up and say, you know what, guys, I'm going to handle the media today. But I think All there's a take difference a between who is it going to be Kyle? Is it going to be Kawhi? No, but, but that's part of it. Who's going to be the guy that says, hey, you want nurse? I know you want to do a shoot around. Our legs are really heavy. We need to stay off. Or he's going to be like, hey, you know what? The practice was optional. But guess what? The option of you guys missing wide open shots means you better be in that gym tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the guy to have all of those conversations? All those conversations that we don't see. Mm-hmm. And... To me, that's actual leadership. Yeah. And is that going to be Kawhi? 
Is it going to be Kyle? Is it going to be a mixture of the two? I think that, when, especially when things are going poorly, which it's, it's going to happen, say two games, I think that's what ultimately matters. So I think that those can be two different things. That the guy that's in the room, that's the leader, can be different than the guy that's the face to the media. Because I actually think that you can have the best of both worlds here. I think that someone like Danny Green can be the guy that the media approaches. That can be the guy who steps up in front of the cameras and says what's going on in the room. And Does he have to play, though? Like regular rotation minutes? Well, yeah, that he has to be, be a, a part of the, the success. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, that's a fair point. I wonder if you can and have different guys. I'm not saying he's not guys. going to, but do we know No, 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 is? we don't know that he will. So that's a, that's a fair point. It's a great point. And it, I think that his ability to kind of speak to the team and what's going on does diminish if he isn't playing regular rotation minutes, if he's not closing basketball games. So Luis it's a Fuller fair point. was a starter. Right. But he didn't close unless yeah. he, his ability to be a leader was kind of cut off at the knees. Yeah. I do look at it though and say, I don't really need Kyle Lowry to speak to the media when things are going wrong. I need to know though, that in that locker room, they are still viewed as the leaders and that they are the ones that are looked to when things are going wrong. And I think that that's the fear for the fan base. Right. And that was, the fear going into this thing is that Kawhi needed to be treated with kids gloves. And if things started to go wrong, that you started having to treat him differently than other people that you couldn't put the blame on Kawhi because you did not want to risk upsetting him and, and having him leave. And you didn't want to be the one that was responsible for him leaving. If he starts taking ownership of that, of this team and can own it when he's playing poorly or when he has an off night, or then I think that it leads him to having more credibility to say to someone else, Hey, you know what? This is what you can do better. This is what we need from you. Hey, this is where we can improve in this ball game. Hey, Nick Nurse, be more collaborative with me. Hey, give me that day off. It's not accommodating to me. It's accommodating to the team. Hey, this is the guy that I enjoy playing with the most. So I do think that up until yesterday, we were kind of dismissing the idea of him being a leader on this basketball team, like that he could be a leader on the floor, but outside of it, that that wasn't going to be a thing. And, and I do think the more that we go on here, the more we're going to find out that I think he's going to be capable of handling more. But I think ultimately if this team wants to be not just good, but great and get where they need to go, they're going to need multiple leaders. And I mean, the Warriors are the best example and different people lead in different ways, but anything, it's a business, it's a family, it's a team. You actually need multiple leaders to bring their authentic selves. And if we're using the words as an example, because I mean, they've, they've just won a championship. Yeah, sure. Draymond will scream at someone on his team or on his coaching staff in a big moment, that's his way of leadership. And maybe we'll get that from Kyle, but KD is the guy who, when everyone is shrinking in a big moment, I don't care. I'll live with the consequences. I'll take the shot. I'll take the, the defensive assignment. That could be Kawhi. But similarly, if let's say Green is in the, the rotation or, or even Fred, if his role expands, the guy who says to his coaching staff, you know what? I think this is what we need. You know, I think about this or has a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a guy in a normal tone. That could be someone else. That could be a CJ or a Fred or a Danny if he's in the rotation. So I think ultimately this, this team is going to need multiple leaders if, if they're going For to sure. overcome their lack of talent relative to the elite teams in the league. You know what has been the most encouraging sign from Nick Nurse so far? It hasn't been starting lineups in the preseason or promises about being more aggressive on defense or shooting more threes or anything about that. But it was Sirit Soe wrote a piece that I read last night where she was talking about nurse and how he's empowering certain players. Like there's a quote in there about him soliciting 
defensive coverage advice from Danny Green. And he said to himself, well, yeah, why wouldn't I? This guy's an NBA champion. He's been one of the better wing defenders in the NBA for multiple seasons. Why wouldn't I consult Danny Green? Truth. And I think that's kind of the best philosophy that Nick Nurse can have right now is out of the gate, empowering this basketball team and empowering the leadership structure, saying to Kawhi Leonard, like, hey, listen, like, this is how we're going to run practices. This is the offense that I want us to run. Like, you can't let the inmates run the entire asylum in terms of, like, Kawhi can't be the decision maker on everything, right? And I think that putting everything on his plate would be a mistake. But whatever he's willing to take, whatever you think he's capable of taking, whatever you think this team is capable of assisting with, that that's your path to success here. And when you talk about multiple leaders, and I keep going back to the same theme, which is the depth of this basketball team and all the different perspectives that you can be offered because of all the talent that you have, that this is kind of the roadmap for the Raptors success that empower the players, empower the team, because I think that they'll buy in in a different way and it will allow them to recalibrate and find a lot of the identity that they had last year. And I think that's just life. When you empower people, they're engaged and you, you get the best from them. Forget about which coverage is actually the right one because mm-hmm. at the best of times, that's just an educated guess. Like There is no one way to defend something or to attack something offensively. And you can't just say, hey, here's an empty whiteboard, NBA players. Can you design my offense and my defense for me? Because they'll look at you and, and they'll lose respect because you are supposed to be the leader. But, and Nurse is smart enough to do this and he's already started doing it. If he goes to a player like Danny Green and says, hey man, listen, the analytics are saying one thing, but I've actually you know broken down some film and I'm actually getting a feeling for something else. What do you think? What do you see? You're on the court. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And you're empowering them to be a part of the solution. And I mean, we use, you know, radio as an example. If your bosses came to you and say, hey, listen, we're thinking of doing this. We're thinking of doing this. You and Ben are in the chair, but you you also consume the content. You are a target audience. What do you think? Even if your answer is right, wrong, come see, come saw, the fact that you're a part of the process means you're engaged and you're going to give your best on -hmm. making sure whatever you decide actually works. I never thought about this with you and I in this podcast before when we were asked to do Raptors postgame last year. And then crossed my mind a single time that about involving us in the process and empowering our opinions. Where are you at with Kawhi right now in terms of the timeline or what you expected to see from him? Because I got to say, this reminds me a little bit of OG and Anobi last year during preseason where... OG went from a guy where I was like, he's not going to play till January. It wasn't that extreme with Kawhi. We thought he was healthier, but he looks way better than I expected him to. I thought there would be a lot more rust during these preseason games and a little bit more of an acclimation period than there has been so far. It really does changes the way that I think that they can get things on track quicker during this regular season. I'm pleasantly surprised because it was such an unknown, but given the fact that he was playing and in, in pickup games against mm-hmm. real NBA players and the fact that his game is so physical mm-hmm. and in it's and it's right not now. just it's not just rhythm and it's not just fundamentals i'm actually very optimistic because Same. remember yes he didn't play most of the last year he only played 9 games he's had recurring issues all scary however he doesn't have any of that tread on those tires Mm-mm. he rested virtually a year where everything else in his body was fine mm-hmm. and so i'm actually similar to you know, if we're talking about football, Le'Veon Bell not wanting to play because he doesn't want to take 400 carries and then walk into free agency as a battered human being, he's going to come back when it makes sense financially and keep his body in good shape. Quite Leonard basically 
had a he had a season off. He had a vacation. Well, he had what's the term when basically rich people after university are like retreat. I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to find like myself. Take a year off. Yeah, yeah. just like a, a, a. I don't know what that's called. Do you know I, what I'm talking? About? You don't yeah, know what it's called because you didn't do it. No, I didn't. I went straight to university because if I would have told my parents I'm just going to take a year off, they'd been like, uh, no, then that's not happening for you. Well, no, there's a, after high school. There's a gap year. All I which know, people take. All I know is after, maybe you're thinking of like the Amish. They call it room springer where <laughs> no, they get I'm to not go. Thinking <laughs> the Amish. I mean, no, after high school, there's the gap year. Yeah. Or people maybe do the victory lap. Yeah. But after university, some people are like, oh, like you're applying for jobs, whatever. No, I'm going to go to Europe and backpack when you put it in that context it does change a little bit the idea of remember it was like hey maybe let's not play Kawhi Leonard on back-to-backs hey let's be very cautious with Kawhi and that's all that's what I mean about how physical he's playing does change that a little bit for me of how many minutes you're going to have to monitor him clearly you still want to be cognizant of that you're going to have your medical staff that's looking at him and evaluating his fatigue level and making sure they're not putting too much stress on him on a back-to-back and and letting him ease into the season a little bit more but I just can't believe how strong he looks and how fearless he looks attacking the basket. And, you know, the three-point shot hasn't quite been there in the preseason and the free-throw shooting has been a little bit off. But ultimately, the jumper looks fine. His game looks really, really high level right now. And you don't play defense in the preseason. Like, nobody really digs in on defense. And that's going to still always be Kawhi's number one thing. He's still, I saw the NBA GM survey I think he was still voted by far and away the number one perimeter defender in the NBA, even though he missed a season. And I think 30% of GMs had him as the best defensive player, period, behind the only guy who received more votes was Rudy Gobert, who was the defensive player of the year. Like, he still gets so much respect on that end. I can't imagine not being encouraged by what we're seeing from Kawhi Leonard right now. And Raptors fans, I'm just warning you right now. In the event he doesn't play on the second night of back-to-backs, don't freak out. Mm-hmm. Because if he still had a San Antonio Spurs jersey, he probably wouldn't be playing those games anyways. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Nick Nurse and this staff, if we were trying to place them somewhere on, on the pendulum, they would be much closer to the San Antonio rest method than this previous staff was where they had meaningful players playing in a meaningless game against Miami to end mm. the regular season. So whether it's Kyle and we, he's been on a, a rest program for a while, but same thing with Kawhi, same thing with Serge. Don't be surprised if you don't see them on the front end or second end of a back-to-back or situations where you've got, you know, four games and five nights, which are happening less and less every year as the, the NBA addresses these don't things, which think... is why the season's starting so early. Don't be surprised if you don't see those guys. Yeah, I was gonna and, say, and the depth of this team should, I mean, you're not making up for Kawhi, let's be honest, but the depth of this team should allow you to say, you know what, guess what, on this road trip, we don't need you against Charlotte, Kawhi. Right, but that's what I mean, is like, I feel like this is going to be resolved. Some of the rest stuff is just going to be easier to deal with because you just have to find minutes for more guys anyways. But who the player is, people are going to freak out, is what I'm saying. Because he mean? has that, because it's Kawhi and he has an injury history. Oh, if, if he's if, sitting? Yes. People or are if going he's to playing just, too much. No, if, if he's sitting, people yeah. are going to assume that there's some sort of an issue. When, when I, my only point is that's the way he's been handled the last couple of years yeah. before injury. And I believe that's the way Nurse is going to handle all of his veterans that are over 27. Yeah. I just, I wonder if that's actually going to really be a thing. Because you just have so much depth internally that guys aren't going to have to have as much wear and tear. Like Kyle Lowry has DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet behind him that can play point guard. 
And both of those guys on a whole ton of teams, like Robert Sarver, uh, they, they finally fire Ryan McDonough. And I'm like, maybe Ryan McDonough is still the GM of that team if they just signed Fred Van Vliet, because guess what? He's the best point guard option they would have right now. That's Why true. isn't a I team mean, Mc, trading for DeLon Wright? McDonough like could, did have an outstanding draft, so the timing is well, a he bit had the first overall pick. True, but he also made a great trade yeah. to get Bridges. I didn't like that trade. I loved it. I like Bridges. I didn't like the what you gave up to get him as a rebuilding franchise. But yeah, I just... It was like kind of a no-brainer to me to go out and grab Fred. So it's like you don't have to play Kyle as much because you have to find minutes for other guys. And you don't have to play Kawhi as much because you already have so many freaking wing players that it's going to be difficult to make sure that everybody feels involved. And I know you're going to have all this period where you really figure out who's going to get those minutes. But on any given night, I just I don't see the wear and tear. It's not going to be like LeBron in Cleveland where if he sits down, your team is going to go to hell. You can play anybody and you're still going to find success. And when you do have those games against the Orlando Magic this year, you can pound the Orlando Magic in the first quarter and those guys don't have to play very much. I'll go a step further. Forget about back-to-backs. Whenever the schedule has these games allotted, I would rest guys in nights before games against the Celtics and the Sixers. Hmm. Because those games in your division, playing them frequently, those games to me are... Double the points. Yeah, we'll try to do some. I mean, they literally are, but your record against those teams are going to matter at the end of the, the year because that could be one, two, three in the conference, all from the same division. Hey, I saw something quickly before we do our new segment. We're going to do a current events with our producer, Emil Delich. Before you get to that, before I forget, yeah. so are you defending Robert Sarver on the eve of the season, firing his GM to hire James Jones? Yeah, I mean... I really, like, why now? Can I tell you what? And why James Jones? The first NBA player to ever talk to me was James Jones. I was in a locker room. He complimented my glasses, and we talked about them for about a minute and a half. So James Jones, to me, is always the right choice. Okay. okay. All right. Sure. I love me some James Jones. Great. Special place in my heart. Yeah, no, the Suns are a d- dysfunctional franchise. I think that it's very strange to move off of your general manager there, but if you do feel like it's now's the time and you, you feel like you've got a real asset, like, I don't know, but this feels like a mistake, but... McDonough had done nothing for me where I thought that this guy was a good GM. So there was a referendum a couple of years ago and we now see why from actual league coaches, guys who have put together game plans, practice plans, been in the coaching fraternity that basically owners were saying, Oh, Derek Fisher. Sure. Hang him up. You can start coaching right now. Hey, Jason kid never coached before. Big deal. <laughs> Didn't work have, have someone bump into you and spill your water. And you'll get an extra timeout. But you wanted, uh, I guess it wasn't right away, but I was going to say you wanted Jerry Stackhouse to be the head coach of the Raptors. Stackhouse went to the D League. Yeah. I mean, it's the exact opposite. He was a, a player who could have felt entitled. He's like, no, I actually want to work on this craft. He was an assistant on an NBA team, then went to the D League. Say, I, I say the same for Patrick Ewing, who's now coaching Georgetown. My only point is now we've seen the course correction. We're like, yeah, no, this is not. What do you think of Elton Brand? Good idea. This is my point. Yeah. I actually think being a GM is in many ways more difficult. If you're an NBA point of guard, of course it in is. In a way, in a way, you've been coaching while playing. Yeah, you've been no, doing two course, things at of once. Of course. Be, dealing with the cap and agents <laughs> and, and the team and yeah, but they have sales so many other sponsorship. guys around them, right? It's like it's more about being able to make basketball decisions, be connected with the league, but be able if, to relate to players. But if your GM makes a big mistake, yeah. It sets your franchise back years. Yeah. But if, if, in a, if in a moment your coach makes a mistake, he's got a couple guys right beside him to help him. Yeah. I, I just think the brand and the Jones are just so short-sighted. 
I'm really excited to see what those guys do, to be honest. Okay. I just, here's the thing from a player personnel standpoint and from a scouting standpoint, I do wonder what those guys are going to be offer, able to offer right out of the league because from a pro standpoint, I feel like some of those guys should have the smartest players in the NBA are going to be the smartest in terms of being able to evaluate what's going to work on a team and who should fit with what guy and being able to know all the drama immediately about who likes who and who can work well with who right. and but who they, can fit together with player X and but they a may, team. But they may not be able to evaluate, okay, I'm How much looking someone's at this. worth is this the tricky part where it's yeah, like, what I'm, do you do in, in negotiations when the player's been on the other side so close to this and knows sure. the guy and has a relationship? But even like I'm looking at this kid in Europe, he's 17. How do I compare that to a kid that I'm looking at in the NCAA who's 21 mm-hmm. in comparison to the backup point guard who I need to, to offer another you have to contract build a staff. to? You have to build a staff that helps you with those things. Like you're not sure. expected to do all of the scouting. But I do think, like, why would... But what do you even look for in a staff? How do you know that if you haven't even what, been on well, a staff? Well, you need guidance, right? Like, these guys need guidance. And like anything, it's like all about who's around you and who helps you develop and grow, right? Like, I think that's applicable to any job. If you just take Elton Brand or James Jones and you just say, all right, you're the GM, like, go build your staff. You just find everything from the ground up. You don't have a mentor. You don't have anything. Those guys are screwed. They're going to be terrible. But if they do have a structure in place where you have guys above them saying, I'm going to help guide you here. I'm going to help you... What do you need to know? Are you inquisitive? Or do you have the type of mind that can ask me the right questions and we can work with this together and figure out what areas you're really strong at and where you need the best help and trust to your delegation skills of letting me, someone you trust, help you with those areas? Like that's key is like not knowing that you don't know everything. And maybe those guys come from a place where they don't feel as emboldened to like to prove themselves in every single area that an Elton Brand steps in and says to himself, I'm going to be the head of player personnel and I'm going to be the head of scouting and I'm going to be the head of everything and I'm going to pretend like I know everything in year one that maybe because he's been involved in all of this that he has a better perspective to know like uh, one of my favorite jokes that uh, Joe Rogan used to say in one of his old standups is like I'm just smart enough to know how dumb I am that maybe a guy who's been in it actually can recognize that more so than a hot shot who's been an assistant somewhere else and feels so empowered right away to just be like I got this I'm going to prove to everyone how amazing I am at this job because it's all I am and it's all I've ever been that, and that could be very true. And in the case of the Suns, that somewhat makes some sense because the entire organization is growing. It would actually make more sense to give that GM the summer to work a lot of these things out and not just jump into the middle mm-hmm. of a season. Like the trade deadline is February. He's going to have to figure this out real quick. But in the case of Brand, that actually makes it even worse because if you're learning on the job, no, we're ready to win right now. We have real good assets on a little bit of money right now. That's mm-hmm. not always going to be the case. And we actually want to make it seem like we know what we're doing so that those assets want to resign here. Mm-hmm. So to me, it seems even more risky, especially when everybody wanted that job mm. and you had a long window to figure it out. But I was going to say, who's so much better for that job? Like, who did you really look at and say like, okay, like this guy needs to get the Sixers job. The Cavs, continue to fire their GMs. Well, I was going to say David Griffin was the name, the big executive that was out there where it was like, David Griffin needs a job and you get David Griffin, maybe you have more of a shot at LeBron. By the way, we didn't even bring that up. Someone had a report that LeBron considered the Raptors for a hot second. Do you see that? Yeah. I mean, Rihanna considered going to prom with me for a hot second too, but yeah. it didn't happen. So <laughs> I know. It's, who cares? Yeah. I, uh, I read that little piece. It was like a quote from someone, but it did remind me a little bit of uh, the first report. The first one was Chris Haynes, where he said, 
these, this, they're a dark horse candidate for LeBron. But then he went on Tim and Sid and he was like, ah, I was just talking. This is a podcast. This is a free flowing. Hey, yeah. It was Joe Varden. Joe Varden said, uh, LeBron James considered signing with the Raptors on the Chris Mannix podcast. He said, I think at one point Toronto was kind of a dark horse there. Varden said, I think there was some sniffing around on both ends. Draft Bronny. You want LeBron? <laughs> yeah. Draft Bronny. That's your pathway <laughs> no, you, to get him. You don't think everyone's man. Bronny Jr. is going to be a, a real thing. I, I wonder too, like with all the ages of the of specialization and and coaching, how that's going to change professional sports, and if we're going to see more legacies because of that. But if if let's say your staff yep. had Bronny Jr. low first round grade. And oh you, yeah, and take him higher. And you have the the first well, overall LeBron pick. will be pretty washed by then because he'll be forty years old by the time Bronny comes into the NBA. So will, he's not. Will he? Be yeah, though? he's not going to be the same LeBron. Man, we said the same things about Kobe. Like, remember Kobe when he uh, tore his Achilles, and we were like, if anybody comes back from this, it's Kobe. It's like, ah, oh, Kobe's done. He's he's done. This but, father but, time comes for everyone. Remember Tim Duncan when we were like, Tim Le- Duncan's pushing forty, and we're saying, I can't believe Tim Duncan still looks this way. LeBron's only injury was yeah. self inflicted. Exactly, but he's 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 so strong. No, he broke man. his own hand, bro. But if you're going to say, if you're going to reference Kawhi Leonard and how he had a year off the, the wheels there, it's like LeBron James has played so many minutes already in his career and these deep playoff runs. It's going to catch up with him, man. Father Time's undefeated. This is the most important stat that will ever be spoken on this podcast. LeBron James has never in his life had a major surgery. No, no, not, not, a, not, no, we need to do Which a little is, scope. Your meniscus is a little I messed hope he up. never does. Nothing. Do you know how heartbreaking it would be to see LeBron holding his knee down on the floor? Oh God. This no. is me knocking on wood. Yeah. Let's not, let's never bring up that. It was the most important stat, but let's all forget that you said that stat because if LeBron ever gets hurt, it's like, it's kind of your fault now. No, but like DeJounte Murray in his physical prime, <laughs> yeah, ACL. Peace, uh, a, that was a tough one to take. That was a tough one to take. I think we'll probably try to do some NBA over unders, maybe even on the next podcast, but uh, let's try our new segment, which is uh, current events with our producer, Emil Delich, where he'll give us some stories from around the NBA and we'll try to, we'll try to answer them as best we see fit. So I can't look at you, Emil. I was like, kind of, that's okay. No, but, okay. Uh, you yeah, got me? It's weird. Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, I hope our listeners can as well. So okay. yeah, this is current event. So let's kick it off. Okay. So it's off the bat. James Jones's GPA while he was in school. Can you guess it? I'm going to say 3.8, 3.9. Yeah. 3.4. 3.4. Wow. His, yeah. his GPA was it's lower than good. mine. So what? Should when I he was be in the, high school? Should I be the GM of the Suns? When he was in Big high deal. school? No, it's in Miami. He was a major in finance. So okay, he's a numbers guy. That don't yeah. impress me much. Yeah, okay. But think about it though. It's like he's dealt with contracts. If he's a finance major, he probably has been very Smartest in with thing his agent. He did what? became best friends with LeBron James. Yeah, no, he's got rings. That's what he did. <laughs> Three-time champion. Three-time champ. But it does make it easier, right? A player with a player talking about numbers and negotiating. I mean, he's yeah. good with an Excel spreadsheet. You don't Not know impressed. James Jones, all right? All I know is he's got good eyewear fashion. All I like know is that five years the ago. timing was terrible. Yeah, anyways, great nugget. Not impressed. Just, I just want to th- throw it in there. It's Thank not you. It's a good a, nugget. Not even a question. So recently in the NHL, there was a ban, a team banned video games. Yeah. Fortnite. Um, Canucks. Or, yeah. But in the NBA, there's been some really weird bans as well. Fashionable band-aids. Uh, the big balls <laughs> dance, if you remember that yeah, one. I do. Yeah. Sam, Sam Cassell. Cassell. Chewing straws. Couldn't do it on the bench anymore. What? Yeah, I, I don't know that. about that. That's a good rule. I did not know you were not allowed to chew a straw on the NBA sideline. Wait, Caron Butler. Caron Butler. Chew straws yeah. while he was playing. Yeah. Which is a health hazard. <laughs> they said it was a safety issue. <laughs> okay. It is. Anyways, do you guys see something like that being implemented in the NBA where a team does say no to this anymore? What, Fortnite? Video games or anything else you can think of. I could see it. Here's why. I don't see it being put down by the management or by the coaching staff because players have too much power in the NBA. Ben Simmons loves video games. 
Brett Brown can't go to him and say, hey, guess what? No more video games for you, sir. The players have all the power in the NBA. The dynamic is so much so that it has to come from other players. I think that if there was a young team, like let's say the Phoenix Suns, for example, let's say the Suns have DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker and all these young guys and Mikel Bridges are playing Fortnite all the time and they don't feel like they're performing in the proper way. I could see how uh, some of the veterans on the team, how they come together as a group when things start to go wrong and say, you know what? We're not, we're not taking Fortnite with us on the road because video games are a bit of a problem, but uh, here's why I don't see it. The NBA players like this is their, this is what they've been doing forever. It's like playing 2k on the road in the hotels is like the number one thing that these guys do consistently. And you're still keeping guys out of the bar by having them stay in the hotel and play a video game. And even if you're staying up a little bit later than maybe you should, these guys are really smart with their sleep study and they know how hard it is to be an NBA player. I think for the most part, it's, it's a non-issue in the league. Zero percent chance. You don't think you could see a leadership group for one player, at least say like have an intervention on a guy and say, you know what, man, you got to cut back on the video games a little bit. You're playing vids too much. No, there is a long list of things that players could do in their free time. That is worse than video games. I, I would I, She'll argue the fact that these guys are playing them together as a group, they're yeah. spending some time together, getting some hand-eye coordination in there. And I don't even play video games. The fact that the Neither Canucks think video games is their issue. But it's the players that put that in with the Canucks. Yeah, and they're and they're dumb and they're wrong. <laughs> there's, right. there's, gambling on NBA teams is a bigger issue than video games. You mean, oh, so you think that gambling on the plane is a bigger issue than video games? Okay, yeah. this this is my only counter. No to one's that. bringing guns to the arena because of <laughs> Fortnite disputes. <laughs> I, uh, well, as of right now, again, knock on wood some more because he's doing throwing a lot of jinxes out there today. I'll say this: the only reason that I'm a little bit down on video games in terms of Fortnite and and why I could see the Canucks doing what they did is that we are learning more and more the importance of sleep. We are on the body, and and athletes have been at the forefront of this in terms of when they've taken naps. But we're learning more and more that the, if you're spending time in front of a screen before you go to bed that it's going to negatively affect you and that okay. there is a cumulative effect of this. And, and there's so an addictive nature. Where are you nature. drawing the line? No, no I'm more not. Netflix. No, I'm not drawing no the line. No more wall street journal Dude. online. Like no more MacBook no. airs. No, 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 no. I'm not drawing the line at anything. It's like guys should be able to entertain themselves. However they see fit, as long as it's not impairing their performance. But I do think that video games, and I will say that I do know people that play Fortnite that I know are addicted to it. That are just like, they are addicted to Fortnite and How they play all the, the freaking time. I don't know anyone in the NBA that's playing Fortnite all the time. I've never had that uh, divulged to me. I'm just saying that just like anything else, too much of something is not good for you. And so I could definitely see a scenario where as video games become more popular and games like Fortnite become more popular, that if it starts to affect with someone's sleep, just like they would with someone who's probably in the bars too much or the clubs too much, is that there's going to be a moment with you where they say, hey, you got to cut this out. You're doing this too much. We got to figure out something different. That's all. I don't see a team-wide ban. You can play video games at any time during the day. If a guy's up late playing video games, it's infinitely better than him at petty cash in the corner no, trying to holler at a ting. No, you don't I know don't that. know that. No. I, I certainly do because know sleep, that. It's, it's all about sleep. It's all Is about sleep and stress. Is he sleeping at petty cash when he's hollering at a ting? I know, no, maybe. he's not. And in fact, he's, he's <laughs> don't trying... Don't say things I can't he's say. He's trying to do things <laughs> yes. that are, are going to prolong him from going to sleep. Uh, petty cash hollering at a ting. Oh, yes, that yeah. was very good. All Thank right. you for the uh, segue there, Donovan. Nick Nurse is holding a Thanksgiving dinner for the team. Love it. Okay. And it's a potluck. Okay. Each guy's got to bring something. Like it less. Which guy brings what? Oh, this is a great question. 
I love this question. Which guy brings All right, what? to me, let's start with this. If Nick Nurse decides not to cut the turkey, who cuts the turkey? Who brings the turkey? I think, Kyle, I think Nurse has I, to bring... You're the host. Okay, so you you're bring the, the turkey. Okay. Kyle brings the turkey. Tur- Kyle brings another turkey that he thinks is better. Kyle has brought like the deep fried turkey, because let's not forget, Kyle used to have a little, a little chub. You got some junk in the trunk. He brings the deep fried turkey and is super mad if people don't try his turkey first. And he kind of slowly undermines Nick Nurse's turkey. I think that's a lock. That's an absolute lock. You're right. He brings a turkey and he wants to cut the turkey. And so everybody kind of lets him cut the turkey. What do you think is the second most important thing at Thanksgiving? I think it's the potatoes. I think that the potatoes are the number two. They're the, they're the glue, right? They're the glue guy. So I think that the potatoes is Fred Van Vliet. I think Fred Van Vliet is showing up with just killer mashed potatoes and he has knocked it out of the park. He's from a comfort food area, right? He went to school at Wichita state I could see him bringing like a sweet potato pie. Sweet potato pie. Yeah, I think I I, I see that I th- I see that in his, in his range. I think Serge comes with like a bugs. No, <laughs> but I think he comes with a, a dish from from the Congo. I think JV the same. What? No, JV brings the sauerkraut. Even though that's a German thing, it doesn't matter. He's still bringing the sauerkraut. That's yeah. very clear. Oktoberfest. Yeah, he's just bringing something. He's like uh, again. You have to put this under the Thanksgiving premise of like the things that you bring to. Thanksgiving, right? So for sure. me, it's like, who's the sweetest guy on the team? Because that's who's bringing the pumpkin pie. Like, who's the sweet tooth guy? Who's the one you trust with the baking? CJ. I think CJ is a great answer. Yeah. I think CJ is the great answer. You trust CJ with the baking? Yeah, I, I do. do. He's I do. I trust delicate. CJ. He's delicate. He's got great hands. CJ, yeah, specialist. Dessert is a specialty, and the three-point shooter, the specialist, brings the pie. I got Serge on nothing. Like, I'm just like, Serge, bring whatever. Because, no, like, not, he's no, so... No, because Serge is so... cooking show. No, he's going to bring four dishes. No, man. but that's the thing, though, man. Serge is so inconsistent that it's like, I can't really rely on Serge no, to bring anything. No. Like, no, I'm, I think, not, I think, I'm oh, not entrusting no, Serge think, with anything important. It's no. like, you just bring whatever, Serge. Like, I think OG brings nothing. He's just kind of oh, OG like, definitely brings nothing. He's like, I'm here. I don't have email. 100%. OG is the brings nothing guy. You guys forgot the most important thing, though. What, yams? No, the beer. The alcohol, oh, no, no, the wine. No. Who's bringing the gravy? I feel like whoever made the turkey should also provide the gravy. Okay, uh, those uh, things shouldn't be separated. I would like to have a horrible confession on here. I'm not a gravy guy. I, Oof, I don't put gravy disgusting. on anything. I you know. eat dry I, turkey. I put cranberry sauce on my turkey. On but, all of it? Yeah. Wow. I don't. I don't put any gravy on anything. I, I know. I'm sorry. And I know how people so, look at people like me. So but, wait, if you have turkey, but yeah. it's not around like a big holiday where cranberry sauce, a little salt. What? Yeah. Wow. Because it's not salty enough? If it's not, That's no. Like, I'll put a little salt on the turkey. I'll so, put a little cran- I put cranberry sauce on every time I have turkey anyway. It's not you just it. go out and buy it? Like, no, off season? Like, no, the only time I have turkey is Christmas and Thanksgiving. I never really have it any other time of the year. It's like, I don't make turkey for myself. It all makes sense. No. So I have cranberry sauce. <laughs> it all makes sense. Listen, I, I came to you guys in confidence that I don't eat gravy. I didn't, I didn't want to so be judged this way. What do you do with the mashed potatoes then? I just eat them with mashed potatoes. Like mashed potatoes are delicious to me. So basic. A little bit of butter. Like, mm, that's great. Like, I want to kind of reference one of our uh, listeners who said when the show started, I'm interested in your guys' lives. Yeah. So thank you, JD, for that. That's thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Would have never give you a little peek behind the curtain. But here's the thing: if by interested you mean lost respect, yes, I agree. I'll wrap this up with a couple of guys. The key dudes. Kyle Lowry also brings a turkey, even though Nick Nurse said, "Don't worry, I have the turkey." Uh, CJ Miles, the specialist, absolutely brings a amazing pie to the table, but he brings you nothing else. Like he's not bringing you any ice cream or any whipped cream because it's just like CJ Miles only brings you the one thing. Jonas Valanciunas brings the 
weirder, outside-of-the-box, European-style dish tries to overcomplicate things. Fred is clearly the mashed potatoes. OG and Anobi 100% can't be relied on to bring anything. I give Serge Ibaka, like, the salad. It's like Thanksgiving, you don't really need a good salad. Serge, bring the salad because you're so inconsistent. It's like, people could either love that salad, or they could be like, you know what, the salad is completely useless. We absolutely don't need it. The interesting one is who brings the yams, because yams, sweet potato dish is a big one. That's an important one. So who do you trust the most to do that? And I'm going to say, I got to do that with Danny Green. I think Danny Green is going to bring the sweet potatoes. I got, again, I got to rely on my vets, and no. I got to let him bring the sweet potatoes. I think Danny Green brings the alcohol. I think he no. brings a little bit of life to the party. He brings a little fun. I Hey, check out this vintage. You're not up uh-huh. on wine. I'm going to school you on Some it. wine. But I've also, hey, I've got a keg for some of the young dudes. Danny those, Green. After those UNC parties, he knows how to okay. get down. I think he brings the alcohol. That's a good point is what party school you went to in terms of like what you're going to be able to do. I think that Kawhi, again, he gets treated with kid gloves. So they just say, Kawhi, don't worry about it. Just show up. Your presence <laughs> is all we want. <laughs> you don't have to bring anything. All right. All right last question. Um, I'm interested in your guys' lives. Thank so you. So let's find out some more. First piece of music you ever purchased? Our Lady Peace, Clumsy. That was the first album I ever bought. And I got in super big trouble from my one religious aunt because she found the, the remember when you'd buy a CD and there was a lyric book at the front mm-hmm. and there was an F bomb and an S bomb and something else. There was a song clumsy. The, the main song is about uh, suicide, right? Like a friend committing suicide. And so they were not happy not with that. Yeah, no. So our lady peace was the first, uh, was the first CD I ever bought with my own money. And it's a classic. And I still stand by that decision to this day. I'm very proud of that being my first decision. I have not listened to a note of our lady piece. I couldn't tell you what it sounds like. Yeah. Or who, you, who don't are, people... you don't know Superman's dead. You don't know Superman's dead. I don't, I You're going to sit so. here in front of me, five feet from me and tell me you don't know Superman's dead. I don't know. Donovan, you've been to enough CIS games, you know? Yeah, you have for sure. Well, I didn't know that. I know. You don't know that one. That's so good. I don't. And, Come on, give me a break. Based on the sounds of it, you're, I'm glad dude, I don't. Dude, you're, listen, you lived in this country and you are of a certain vintage where it's impossible what? for me to believe that. What? They're too big. They were everywhere. No, no. Don, what'd you that's buy? That's your side yeah. of the country. No, that's, buy, that's not my side of the country. That's the country. That's no, Toronto. No, 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 it's not Toronto. Not yeah. everyone in Toronto listens to Our Lady I didn't Peace. say you have to listen to them religiously, but there's no way that you did not come across. Do you ever watch Countdown? You didn't wear a countdown guy? You didn't watch much music countdown? NFL countdown? No. <laughs> Get out of here. You watch much music countdown. Listen, my grandparents are Canadian. Do they yeah. listen to Our Lady Peace? I guarantee no. you they didn't. Yeah, but you're, I told you, you're of a certain vintage. You're of a certain age where it would have been impossible for you to avoid Our Lady Peace. I know my age, and I'm telling you, yeah. I don't know Our Lady Peace, so I'm not sure what to tell you. Take my passport back. Are they Canadian? I didn't even know that. Sir, how dare you? The first that I purchased, I don't know. Like I know the general range because I got you know a Sony boombox and I started... You know, getting some CDs. Mm-hmm. EPMD, Strictly Business, would have been in that era. You bought that with your own money? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. Um, both Wu-Tang albums would have been in that vintage. You, little, are, I feel like little, you're just playing this up little, cool ways. No, I mean, I, I You're didn't a little have... older than me, but still, you know what my first hip-hop album was? Do you even count this? I don't, I don't know. What is this it? This is bad. Macklemore? No. I'm <laughs> not that young. <laughs> That's no, the good. first hip hop album I ever bought was Limp Biscuit, uh, hot, uh, not a, Hot Dog Flavor Wallace. That's hip hop. Significant album. other. How yes, it absolutely. You. Is. No, it is not. It's, at the cross. At the it's cross. A, yeah, it's, it's, it's what do you call it? It's okay, like okay. new metal, is what I think that the name of that is. New metal? That's, yeah, that new metal. doesn't sound like hip hop to me. No, new oh. metal was like a mix of rap and uh, metal. Okay, well, I'm glad it's over. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, it wasn't a great era. Yeah. Although I stand by In Together now with uh, Limp Bizkit and Method Man. That's a good song. No, it's not. It is. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I think I'm probably the Montel Jordan, this is how we do it single would have been in that <laughs> era. All right. Now we're into the less cool stuff. Strictly Gold, Volume 9 or something like that? Exactly what you bought. You can't remember your first album. KRS-One would have been around there. How step, old were you? Step into a world, my friend. KRS-One? How old do you have to be to appreciate KRS-One? I, I don't Seriously. think you realize how old. You were probably like this. How am I a poser? Because you were probably like eight, there eight or nine years old, and you were like, yeah, I'm KRS-One guy. It's like you don't even know anything he was talking about at the time. Do you know how old I am? Yeah, you're I, 34. Incorrect. 35? Correct. Okay. Oh, pfft. Sorry. No, my point is I'm much older than you think yeah, I am, okay. which is why I'm referencing these albums. Yeah. Miseducation of Lauren Hill would have been in there. That's a good one. Yeah, Fuji's were big back then. Actually, I think uh, actually Life After Death, Biggie Smalls pro- may have been the first. You were a lot cooler than me. You, I think you, my second CD was like now three. Jeez. <laughs> um, you asked me what I'm thankful for. I then didn't allow me to answer. You just gave us a soliloquy. But now that we're talking about music, I was actually thinking at the time, I am thankful for the fact that the Raptors are like J. Cole. And this mm. is what I mean. I was at his recent concert in uh, in the Scotia Bank. I almost said the, yeah. the other, the previous name. It's going to take some getting used to. No. So you have Drake. And I, I love Drake. No one's a bigger Drake I was going to say, Drake is already so upset by this me. take, and you know he listens. No, but it's no disrespect. There are some artists, bands, that get so big that they're they're and, and commercial success is fine. But they get so big that when you're at their show, it's not just people who are day ones who love the music who are diehard. You're, they're, people are just going to hear the name Drake. Sounds like a nice night out. I know so the Drake song that the people Warriors. are dancing to on Instagram. I'm going to go. No, I would, I would almost say like Drake might be the Lakers, right? Okay. Like the Lakers, LeBron's on the Lakers. They didn't get more fans. You don't feel like there's more bandwagon fans for the Warriors though than there are for. The Lakers. I feel like Lakers but, have a real fan. But it's not even bandwagon. Okay. Just your your level of fandom. I know, can but be, I, when can I be think different. of Drake, I just think of bandwagon. Drake's fan and like the singles, but okay. not not listen to side A as much as you listen mm-hmm. to side B of Scorpion. Mm-hmm. J Cole, lots of success. I would say he's top five rapper right now. By the time he's done, he could be top five dead or alive. Lots of success, but there are only so many people walking this earth who can recite lyrics from forest hill drive that that is a small number enough to feel like that's a huge one anyway go on enough to fill an uh, an arena yes yeah but when you're at a j cole concert everyone there is day one everyone there loves the music loves the message loves his soliloquies and his basically ted talks in between songs and that's where the raptors are they're really good they're really big their brand reach is strong but if you see someone with a raptors hat on that's not, I have, I'm from Toronto, I'm going to buy a Blue Jays hat even though I don't watch the games. If you're wearing a Raptors hat, if you're going to, going to watch a game outside in the freezing cold, you are a hardcore fan. The fandom is strong and big, but there's a level of respect among fans. I'm like, you get it. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm tracking the, the fans, the true diehard fans. There is a different connection of... You're in deep with the team, and you know really the trials and tribulations. Like I think that being, I, I'm a huge Leaf fan. Uh, it's probably the team I care the most about because it was like my boyhood team, and I grew up a Seattle SuperSonics fan before I was a Raptors fan. So it's just like the Leafs are my day one team. But yes, I feel like it is a more 
Uh, you can be all kinds of different type of Leaf fan. You can be all kinds of different Blue Jays fan. I do think that there is a there is an individualism to being a Raptors fan. I just don't know if in that context that I feel like J. Cole is always just like the calling him the Raptors of hip hop is like almost insulting to him because it's like the Raptors to me are the ones the that Raptors could be in the finals this but year. The Raptors to me are kind of the rapper who's like wants a ton of respect, uh, <laughs> but really isn't that good. Like that their fan base is like, so now you're he's being the best to the Raptors. No, I'm saying that the Raptors like this rapper is the best. This rapper is the best. But like, everybody's kind of like, all right, like, no, he's no, not I'm talking about them right now. Like Kawhi Leonard might be the best yeah. player in the East. Yeah. The Raptors are very, very good. Yeah. The, well, they are. We got, they got to prove a lot. I feel like Jay Cole, if I was going to give him the, the moniker of an NBA team, that's tough. I got to think about that of who has like been just consistently good. I would say like the Spurs are more J Cole. Like the Spurs are like a little underrated, but their fan base loves them and their fan base is special. They stack championships every year. I know year. they did. And that's, underrated. And, that's, and I feel the same way with J. Cole, where it's like he's got now, to me, three classic hip hop albums. And yet, for the most part, they wouldn't be in the main rotation for the average hip hop fan. And same goes for the Spurs. Like, what are your favorite championship seasons? No one would throw the Spurs championships. No, the in there. Spurs are like Nas. <laughs> that's, uh, I feel like you could just give the Spurs any like super respectable hip hop artist. Nas's later career, though, like I guess maybe it was like the Spurs fell off a little hard. If we've gone astray, tweet at us at JD Bunkus. Well, yeah, you maybe play Amanda the heel. Delich, Everyone's going to be like at Donovan Bennett. Let us know the correct, the correct correlation between hip hop artists and you know what it is. The, the Raptors are the the newest Eminem album. It's like it's good. It's good. It's good. The, what is it's, Eminem? Yeah, because the new Eminem album is good. I really like the new Eminem Eminem's album. Eminem's like the Celtics. I, I like, know. No, no, no. Stacked championships. I'm just saying. Championships. No, no. The newest Eminem album, where it's like they're so good. It's so good. It's so good. All the stands are like, it's amazing. It's the best Eminem album. It's like, yeah, it's so it's good. It's good. I mean, solid. A lot, of, a lot of people think it's not very good. But that's what I mean, is that it was good. It was a good album. It was closer to old Eminem, but it's just like, yeah, it's all, it's all right. It's pretty good. I liked it, but it wasn't the best album of the year by any sense. What was your favorite hip-hop album of the year? Either KOD or, or Scorpion. KOD was really, really good. Scorpion, I feel like, had some real bangers. Uh, but to me, it's Pusha T, Daytona. I know it's kind of... Oh, it, please. It was. It was the best one. To me, it was the one I played the most. It has the best songs. It's got the best beats. His flow is incredible on it. It's the best one to me. Actually, the, a late push would be the the last Travis Scott. Astro World. Yeah. I liked it. But you know what was kind of sneaky underrated was... Uh, and I didn't even... I'll, I'll, I'll throw up my hand. But because I didn't listen until, to it until he died, I didn't get around to it. It was Mac Miller's latest album. It's really, really good. Really, really good. There's like seven or eight songs on that that are incredible. And I know that you listen to it through the lens of now he's passed away, but I really do think that I would put it in my top five from this year. I think you're giving a little bit of a Heath Ledger bump there. I'm not. I swear to God, I'm not. I know it's impossible to separate the things, but have you listened to it? I think it's called Swimming. I've listened to that album probably like 20 times over. Pusha T, number one, Daytona. That was the best. Scorpion, solid. Kamikaze was okay. Solid. I think Kanye had the worst year. Even though he made the beats on the album I'm saying is the best, I think that from an overall brand perspective, him begging Drake to say he didn't sleep with Kim was a real low moment for Kanye. I mean, I think him saying that slavery was a yeah. choice was a bit And then worse, doubling down but... on that, like at the porn awards. <laughs> it's a very strange year for, for Ye, who now, sorry, who only wants to be called Ye. 
Somehow this has become MTV Unplugged. Maybe we should just unplug the pitchfork right now. Maybe we should just unplug the pod. Emil, thank you for putting together the uh, the current events, even though the last one wasn't really a current event. It was like the oldest event possible. But uh, yeah, thanks again to all the associates. Hey, remember, the subscribe. Retweet the podcast. Share it with friends. Tell your Raptors friends and your community about the podcast. And as always, leave a comment in the uh, iTunes section. If you got a question, leave it there too. Or tweet us at JD Bunkus at Donovan Bennett. Uh, we'll be back next week on time on the Monday. Thanks. The break is over.